Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're also on Dash Radio on their Nothing But Net channel every single weeknight at 7 p.m. Subscribe to Five Reasons YouTube. If you don't, you might miss the fact that, say, Norris Cole appeared with our Gad Cartagena and the rest of his crew on that channel. Hit the subscribe button. You get before floor, an hour before every game. Post up five hours as soon as the heat game ends and content throughout the day on all the South Florida teams. FiveReasonsSports.com, spell that one out. You get the latest takeaways from Brady Hawk on the Heat and from our Dolphins writers on the Dolphins and, again, all of the other teams in town. We do not have a paywall. And the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. We mention this one all the time. This is our official fantasy sponsor. Get in, get your deposit in before game five and play. It's prize picks. You can download it at either prizepicks.com or on the app store or on the Google play store. It is free to download. And if you put anywhere up to a hundred dollars, they will match anywhere up to a hundred dollars. You don't need to play it all at once. You can play two, three, four, five players together. You can play all the NBA games. And of course you can play all the other games and other sports and you can mix and match from different sports. So go to prize picks again, get your free money, put down up to a hundred dollars and they will match it, but you got to use that code F I V E. And now Today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. I'm back from Boston. I apologize for that. A lot of people are upset about me for going up. I can tell you I am not booking a flight for Game 6, so can't blame me for that one. Although if we have a watch party, I'm sure I'll get blamed for that. I've got Brady Hawk. You can follow him at Brady Hawk 305. You can follow Alex Salito at tropical blanket. And this is a crazy series because the heat are down two two. I mean, this is pretty much what I've gotten from Twitter today. The heat are down two two. They have two of the last three games of this series at home. They are set up to have home court because of the regular season that they had. They would seemingly be in good position if you just dropped them in from the sky and said, hey, you're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. If we did this in, I know this is, you know, we do this all the time, but if we did this in October, November, and so you're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, 2-2 going home for two out of three games against the Boston Celtics. Marcus Smart is banged up. You've got Jimmy Butler banged up and Tyler Hero banged up. Robert Williams, you don't know from game to game if he's going to play. This is the scenario. Would you take it? Every Heat fan would have taken that. And yet here we are and everybody's panicked because that was, and there's no excusing this. That was a complete no show. Okay. You missed your first 14 shots. It's hard to do that without trying. All right. Uh, Offensively, the spacing was terrible. Defensively, the effort was okay. Rebounding. It was atrocious. And we can blame the officials to a certain degree because you should not have four to one ratios of free throws in the playoffs, which is basically what you had up there in Boston in the two games, but the heat contributed to that with the way that they played. I mean, you have to make it it look, got to make it look obvious at least. Okay. You let the officials off the hook by playing that way. So I'm not excusing it. I recommend people listening to the podcast that Alex and Greg did directly after the game, because that kind of encapsulated some of it. 
but we're going to move forward a little bit. And we did not really prep for this episode. So we're just going to kind of first thing that comes to mind here. And I'm going to go to Brady first on this. If you were to tell me one thing that they could fix on the offensive end, other than the obvious, like make a shot. Okay. Which obviously we know what, what would be the thing? Like, uh, like what needs to look better in game five at home? I think the first thing that kind of combines schematics and health is Jimmy Butler. Like when you look at that game that happened in game four, a lot of that was Jimmy Butler just didn't have the ball in his hands. Like a lot of it was, he was like in the dunker spot with Robert Williams or Al Horford on him. And that is best case scenario for a Celtics defense. Like they want to have that big man sitting there lurking around the rim to have maximum rim protection. When you start utilizing him on the perimeter, it puts a little bit more pressure. Now you have him as an attacker. Uh, so I think that's the first thing. The second thing is that it's the counter adjustments that need to be made. And that is at the beginning of this game, we could talk about Bam Adebayo's aggression, but he was being collapsed on in the middle of the lane in game four. Like every time he got the ball there, if he was on a roll or if it was a set drawn up for him, everybody was collapsing and they don't collapse from the wings. They collapse from the corners. They're basically daring you to kick it out to PJ Tucker for a three. Like you may like that at home. Like PJ Tucker will probably hit a couple of those on game five, but when you're sitting there in Boston and Bam Adebayo just had this big master masterpiece of a game with 31 points, that seemed to be like their play there. Like it was just going to be the clog the lane as much as possible, especially if Jimmy's not an on-ball threat. Uh, and then it combined with the fact now you have Kyle Lowry and Max Struess that are forced into these perimeter on-ball creators, which, yeah, Kyle Lowry is to a certain extent, but now Struess is being forced into it and they're overplaying the perimeter. So uh, I think – to sum it up, it just has to be the starters. Like 18 points in a, in a playoff game in the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, not to rehash it, is the issue. Like they just need to move forward, get back to what worked in terms of just spamming Jimmy Butler on ball creation in those lineups, especially if you don't have Tyler Hero. Like that has to be the way. Like, yeah, it can work in a game with Bam if he's being aggressive, but you just need Jimmy. And that's what ties into the health. Like, is he fully healthy right now after the game? Uh, game four, he said he was. He said that had nothing to do with it. I don't know if I'd fully believe that. Like, it just didn't seem like he was into it in terms of after game, I think it was three, he said after the game, I just want to keep running into people. Like, I'm not even going to take a three because I just want to keep getting to the line. It didn't look like he had that mindset in game four. So if he has that mindset in game five, I expect a big game. Uh, so I think a lot of that is just on him, depending on the Tyler Hero uh, status for game five. Yeah, and Alex, uh, we don't know what Tyler Hero's status is going to be as we speak. And, you know, Ramona Shelburne's report is that this is maybe a more significant injury than the Heat were letting on at first and that he's pushing his way back. Maybe he wouldn't in the regular season. Uh, I do feel like there was a lot. I, this is what was weird to me about Twitter today is that there was so much focus on BAM. And as I'm watching that game, you know, from, you know, way up in the rafters above a bunch of banners, I wasn't really thinking about Bam that much. I, I was thinking about Jimmy and I was thinking about the fact that nobody on the rest of the team could buy a shot. The fact that Kyle looked disengaged. Um, PJ looked, you know, we, PJ's had some games this year where he's looked old. That was one of those games. I mean, they've been kind of few and far between the fact that Struess, you know, went 15 minutes and didn't put anything in the box score. Oh, for seven, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero points. Like I, I was a little surprised everybody went to Bam again. Well, I mean, I, 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 are we at the stage that everybody's expecting 31 from him every game? Because I'm not. Like, I was not expecting an encore. Not, not I wasn't expecting last night, but I wasn't expecting an encore. 
yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think that's what happens when we get these BAM games because it's like, you know, as Heat observers, all our, you know, all our well wishes and best hopes of what BAM's game can be and has evolved into and can continue evolving into gets realized until the next few games happen when he inevitably doesn't do it again. And, you know, like I'm as much of a BAM guy as anybody else here. I'm always trying to defend him against people who say he's not a max player or he's not a five or, you know, he's not good enough for you to be, I mean, for him to be one of the best players on your team in order to win a title with, I, you know, vehemently disagree with all those things. Other than that, like, I just don't really think of him. I think my expectations are lower when it comes to his uh, scoring, right? Like, I just don't think of him as somebody who's able to do that every game, even though he has, like, the skill to do so. I just have not seen him do that over three years with him as a starter and, a you know, a main piece of what they do on offense. They just don't look to him as a scorer enough. And I think it's, you know, it's always been 50-50 of, like, how the team and the, the coach uses him and, and – as and, you know, the other 50 is Bam's mentality. And does he want it? Is he doing the right things, you know, to get guy, to get himself in position, to take advantage of mismatches, things like that, just kind of making himself available offensively. And that's something that wanes game by game because it, it feels like, you know, option number one is always to set up everybody else, right? And I think we'll have some games where you go away from that and you see something completely different from what you've seen in these three seasons. And he, he has these flashes. That's why we want to see more, but I, he is not that guy on a game to game basis yet. And Jimmy has been that guy. And that's the thing. And I think that's where it starts last night. with Brady. Yeah. I mean that, that he, he has, he has to be better. They can't win without him. I, I think the one thing that uh, the national pundits have gotten right, they haven't gotten a lot right, but I think the one thing they have gotten right is, you know, it's been Tatum or Brown pretty much, you know, I mean, Brown with well, the game that Tatum struggled, Brown kept them in it. You know, they kind of take turns too. like, they're not, you know, they're not like fully formed duo in any way. Okay. You would think they would be, they seem to have complementary skill sets, but they're not. And they, they do take turns in the same way that we kind of talk about Jimmy and Bam taking turns, even though again, Bam is not the scorer that either of them are. Um, but at least one has picked up the slack for the other. So Bam picked up the slack for Jimmy when Jimmy was out, but it doesn't seem like Bam can do it when Jimmy is playing and banged up, right? Because then they're still getting in each other's way. It's just that Jimmy's ineffective. And especially when you're throwing length at them. So let's get to this factor. And then after the break, I want to get to a couple of other things. It appears Robert Williams is probably good to go for the rest of this series. Uh, we'll, I mean, I, I don't think he's going to be out for game five. We haven't heard that. He got through game four. He has made a big difference. Uh, you know, for all the talk about Marcus Smart, Bam does not seem to be aggressive with Robert Williams. And then we saw Robert Williams' length bother Jimmy. And again, some of that may be injury-related, but it's there. So how did that, Brady, how do they counter the Robert Williams thing? I'll start off by saying, as of right now, the injury report just came out and He's questionable along with Marcus Smart. So that changes things majorly, uh, probably even more than the Marcus Smart element, because as you're saying, uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that that's happening when he's out. Like a lot of that he's doing for himself. The first thing is something I touched on before. It's like the Jimmy element of when you're utilizing a guy that's being defended under the rim, that maximizes Robert Williams. He can cover so much ground uh, and you're able to kind of throw that off. But the other guy he's guarding a ton is P.J. Tucker. And that ties into what you were just talking about. Uh, if maybe he looked old in that game and he has to be utilized a different way, he's going to dip off P.J. in that corner. I had this play in mind where Horford and him, I, I can't even remember if it was Horford or Rob Williams that got the block, but they just absolutely blocked his floater. 
because they were just dipping off and allowing him to do that. Uh, I think the counter to that is if the Celtics are going to switch, which we've seen they've been very willing to go into drop, which ties into Tyler Hero not playing, because if they're going to continue to go drop more and more without Tyler playing, that hurts Miami's offense. That's another thing to go back to what was happening. But the counter is try to get Robert Williams on a shooter. Like maybe he's not utilized. Uh, you can't shoot over the top of him because he's a good perimeter defender, but just try to get him away from the play. I tie it into the BAM element where we talked about on so many occasions this regular season where teams would basically eliminate BAM from the play. They would say, okay, we want to get a BAM switch. We're going to go into the deep corner with our best shooter and just try to just eliminate him and go four and four because that's probably better off for our offense uh, than going five on five with BAM. There's times where I think they do the same thing with Robert Williams. The question is, are they going to be willing to switch that? Like, are they going to be able to switch those actions? I'm not sure. The only way they do is if PJ makes them pay as he has at home, specifically in game one or game three, where if he's slipping the screen and getting to his floater, scores the first five points of the game like he did at home, that changes things. Then now they have to start switching things. So uh, I think a lot of it ties into PJ Tucker, but Robert Williams, he really does. He can wreck things up defensively so if they can find a way to get him on a shooter and they did it in game one I think it was or actually I think it was game two they started the game really hot Miami did and they went up 18 to eight uh and gave Vincent and Max Struess both hit a three to start the game because as Adoka said after the game they were switching really low and allowed shooters to shoot over the top now they started switching higher and they were able to recover if you can get back to that base coverage and start shooting over the top and forcing them to adjust that feels like the biggest thing to kind of eliminate Rob Williams in that way. Alex, you wanted to chime in on this? Cause I know you and, and Greg hit on this a little bit last night. Well, no, I was actually saying uh, in the chat that if you wanted to pivot and go oh, okay. forward in the pod, because <laughs> me and Lay talked on it last night, but I think what Brady brought up was, you know, extremely relevant because it just takes away like they're, they're a lead at, at keeping teams from taking corner threes for a reason. And Rob Williams is a huge part of that. Right. And I think, that's something that's kind of been taken away this series. I haven't pulled up those numbers yet, but the last time I was looking at them, they were very bad for Miami. Like they were not hitting, I think it was 18% before last night from corner three. So that's, you know, that's a, that's one of the biggest ways that they, you know, get a release foul on offense when PJ's there and Rob Williams has just done a great job contesting on those. And they just in general have really stuck to their game plan of keeping things away from the rim you know, uh, forcing the heat into a lot of tougher in-between shots that they might not necessarily want to take first and foremost, right? And so they're forcing the heat to counter, I think, more than uh, the heat are. And I have other stats that will back that up as well because, you know, I think just to sum it up, the Celtics are more or less taking the same amount, the same shot profile that they did during the regular season. It hasn't changed much. And the same cannot be said for the heat. Like their shot profile Mm-hmm. has as far as shot distribution from what area on the floor has changed a lot more drastically uh, in this series, just in this series specifically than the Celtics had. So I think they're just doing a better job in general of, um, you know, sticking to their game plan. But regardless, it's 2-2. Like right. I said on last night's show, you know, you have home court advantage and two, you have two out of three at home. And just it feels like although the Heat are losing all these quarters because that's really what's important according to NBA Twitter, um, Despite all that, you know, you have the advantage. I'm with you. And I'm going to get into that next because I, I think that Heat fans are, are kind of freaked out here for no reason, not remembering how a lot of these series go. 
and not remembering where they were two two against Philadelphia after losing to the two game two the two games that Joel Embiid played, and we were having this conversation going into Game Five, saying it's a totally different series now. You know, and he fans. I mean, were there's been one defining run in every game in this series, right? Like that's it. there's been one defining run. You know, whether one defining quarter in every single game, right? So these games have been pretty similar in that way. Yeah. Look, I, you know, I don't want to get into the whole Emi Adoka thing about the one. I, you know, I, look, I think Boston's outplayed Miami over the course of this series, um, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, they could blow them out in game six, two up in Boston, but if Miami wins two squeakers, they're going to the finals. I, I mean, you're just trying to limp through this thing at this point. Like, that's where you're at. There's another conversation that we can have if they get through this thing, because I don't know what Miami's going to have left for Golden State, honestly, it, assuming that it is going to be Golden State. And I think we're all assuming that with a 3-0 lead uh, as we're recording this. I, I don't like the Heat in that series at all. Um, but, you know, I still think this thing is winnable. And I want to touch on that here after the break. Before I do, I want to tell you about you break. You break, we'll fix, okay? They're based in North Miami. They do everything there. The wheel repair, the refinishing, they do the powder coating for you. They'll get your wheels looking nice. We know what happens here in, in the streets of South Florida. They can be extremely unforgiving, particularly as the weather starts to get worse. They've got a new facility. You break it's you, the letter U break wheel fix. They've, they've moved uh, to a bigger facility because maybe hopefully, because we've sent so many people there. Uh, you can find them at 1848 Northeast 143rd street in North Miami. They're right across from City of, of North Miami Public Works. You can reach them at 305-748-0112 or go to ubreakwheelfix.com. That's the letter U, breakwheelfix.com. Again, they do everything there. You can even get the old vice colors if you want them on your wheels. Reach out to Mark and everybody down there. Mention five reasons you'll get a discount or check them out on Instagram. Again, it's ubreakwheelfix. All right, one narrative thing here before we... Uh, we kind of, we're going to get to what we think is going to happen here, but I just want to mention, you know, one other thing. So many of these heat series have pivoted on the game fives. Okay. Um, you know, people remember a lot of the game sixes and obviously LeBron and uh, you know, up in, up in Boston and, and obviously Ray Allen's game six and many of them, but many of these series obviously have pivoted on the game, game five. Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And this is going to be an energized crowd. It's an 8.30 start. Um, Heat fans will be there on time, okay? Because they were in the last two 8.30 starts, right? It's a traffic thing for the most part. And, and, and I think the energy in that building is going to lift this team. I do. I, this felt to me like a team that knew Jimmy wasn't completely right, got their win, and when they started to have some frustration early, they just let the thing go. And one of the things that I noticed, you know, they got it within 18 with about five and a half minutes left. Now, if they had just been playing the game and were down 18 with five and a half minutes left, Eric Spolster would not have pulled his starters. I, I if, if the starters were playing to take them to that point, they weren't. And I know, Alex, I heard you on the podcast talk about that. 
that you were a little, you, 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 you know, you thought he pulled him too early in the third quarter. The, the, the subs did get them back into the game to a certain degree, right? Between Caleb and Duncan and, and, uh, and Vic in particular. But I, I think if the Heat had a different mindset on this thing as an organization, Eric might have gotten the starters back in there with five and a half, six minutes left. He didn't. Okay. Um, and so I, I'm not saying they punted the game. They didn't. I'm not going to do the thing that everybody's been doing in the national media. You know, the Heat did, you know, this isn't about this. The Celtics played well enough defensively to win that game. They were not very good offensively, but they played well enough offensively. So I'm going to give the Celtics credit for it. But I think the Heat's attitude on that game was let's try to get it. Everything went wrong early. I don't think that was maximum effort Miami Heat from an organizational perspective in that second half. I just don't. Um, and so I think coming home, they're going to look better in this game. I don't have any question about that. But I, I'm going to, again, I'm going to come back to this. Somebody has got to pick up Jimmy Butler. It's the same conversation we had earlier in the series. And if Tyler is forcing himself out there, we don't know what he's going to look like. PJ is not that kind of player, and he looked a little bit limited in the last game. I'm pointing at somebody different in this one. I want to see Kyle Lowry pick it up offensively. You know, I mean, I, look, I, I, as a basketball fan, I appreciate what Kyle brings. I appreciate the hit-ahead passes. I appreciate him getting everybody organized. I appreciate him dealing with the officials so the other players don't have to. I appreciate him getting in guys' ears. I appreciate all of that. At a certain point, though, your $30 million point guard needs to score. <laughs> he just does when others can't. And so, I mean, is that, is that, is that unfair at this stage? Like we're now past the hamstring injury enough. He, I mean, he doesn't look limited by that right now. So I'll go to both of you guys. Do, do you, do you think Brady that, um, you know, that that's more for Kyle here? Yeah, I think he has to, you look at the other starters, we know what Bam is in a consistency scoring basis, especially if they're trying to eliminate him. You know what PJ is. Max is obviously an ignitable player that could get hot certain times. Uh, but right now, you probably, with Tyler out, feel more comfortable at, with all the depot being your second scorer than anybody else in the roster, at least at this exact moment. Kyle Lowry kind of needs to be, because of the stuff we talked about earlier in the episode, with the way Boston's adjusting their defense, they're basically daring the guards to score the basketball. They're daring you if they're going to overplay the perimeter. They're daring you into these pull-ups. Uh, Jimmy even talked about after the game, they didn't. They were kind of taking too many mid-range shots, and that's what Celtics want to do. They want to force you, as Alex said before, the in-between shots that Tyler was actually really good at early in the series. Kyle Lowry kind of needs to be that guy. Like, it just is what it is at this stage, that if he can get them those relief baskets in a game that's not 18-1 to 1 to start, or you're 0 for 14 to start a game, in a normal game, when Jimmy Butler needs his second guy, yes, we're going to look to Tyler. We're going to look to Bam. But Kyle Lowry is going to have an ability to basically stretch things out in a way that Boston looks to certain guys where like Marcus Smart gets a relief bucket after Jason Tatum and Brown are kind of the controlling factors. Like they need that from Kyle Lowry. Uh, we know the element of, I think he did a good job getting Bam involved in game three. I don't think he's getting to the rim as much as we originally thought, I think before the season. Uh, but the pull-up is still there. The pull-up is being given to him. If he's able to take that pull-up, there were times where he took deep threes, even in this game, this past game, and he hit it. So uh, they're going to need him. I think the guards are the topic here. They're going to need Gabe Vincent and Victor Oladipo and, and these other guys that we could talk about. Yeah, they're great pieces to utilize in a playoff game. But now it's 2-2 in the East Conference Finals heading into game five. It's a two of best of three series. You have to win two. 
they need Kyle Lowry right now. They need his leadership and they need him on the floor as much as possible. If he's healthy, like they just need his control of the game because there's just too many points now where if they have a bad quarter or a bad stretch, which is happening a ton in this series on both sides, I just don't know if Miami can recover in that way. Like they need his control over these next three. What do you think, Alex? I mean, I, is it too much to ask Kyle coming off of the hamstring situation to, to give you 18 to 20 in this game? I don't think so. I mean, like when you, when you talk about specific numbers, it's always tough with Kyle because we, we've seen that he, you know, he, that's not necessarily what he likes to do, but we've also seen flashes from him, you know, uh, towards the end of the season and, and in some of these playoff games where he's more willing to take shots that he wasn't necessarily taking during the regular season. He, we saw those real season comments and that's, you know, that's it. That's the standard you got to hold them to, right? It's, you were the $30 million acquisition. It's not about the money, but it's insane to me that, you know, he has not given you more, right? And I know that he's been dealing with a lot. I know that hamstring injury is, is tough. I, I really think when he's on the floor, when he's not scoring, he's still a very impactful player. And, you know, as a half-court guy, as a guy who pushes the pace a little bit, gets him out in transition more, still defends at a high level for his age. Like, I, I value what he does. But at the end of the day, you need more from him. And it's not just him, right? Like, you need more from him. You need more from Bam for as much as I'll, I'll defend him. He doesn't need to be a 31 points guy. He just got to be somewhere in between what he's been this series. And, uh, you know, I think what he was during the regular season, because although it, it's, it might be tougher to get to those, you know, to, to that standard that he was at during the regular season versus a defense like this, he's got to be a lot closer to that. Right. And I think the same can be said for everybody who was in the starting unit last night, because that was historically bad. I think, uh, you know, 18 points combined was, was like the, the the lowest amount of points from a starting unit in a certain amount of time in 50 years or something like that. So, you know, you got a historically bad effort, seven of 34, seven of 36 combined shooting from the starting unit. I don't think that's going to happen again, but in general, like it's got to be on the team to just to shoot and perform better in the half court. Cause they have the Celtics have a, the edge in half court offense by, by a decent, margin in this series I think the the rebounding has been close with the, with the Celtics having an edge transition has been close with the heat having an edge and then the the turnover stuff I think is the the one x factor in each game that that might help decide things but really I was mentioning before like the the heat are taking a lot more mid-range shots less uh, shots at the rim less threes while the Celtics have been more or less stayed the same as far as the, the shots they're taking not only that the Heat are shooting 32% from three in this series and 40% from mid-range, which is vastly below where they were uh, in the regular season. Now, they're actually shooting higher at the rim uh, percentage-wise than they did during the regular season, but getting there less. So, again, the Celtics are enforcing their game plan just a little bit better, even though the series is tied. At least that's what the, the data suggests. But like I said before, just to come full circle, every game has been defined by one big run. So I'm, I'm just trying to put to get, paint a picture of what's happened so far. And it seems to me that the Heat are just vastly underperforming, even with the Celtics' uh, great defense and game plan. The Heat need to hit some of these shots, man. This is the only place in the country you'll hear about the Heat are underperforming. Everywhere else, it's the Celtics are doing it to them. And when the Celtics lose, uh, the Celtics are underperforming. All right, a word here from one of our sponsors. You've heard about him before. He's going to join me here for a second, and then we're going to come back. And we're going to give you, we're going to do something we don't usually do on the podcast. We're going to give you some actual predictions here before we do it on Before Floor. All right, we'll get back to our episode in a second. But first, I want to do something here called Sponsors Corner. You hear about him all the time. He's Mark with a C, Mark Brown, PA. 
Dot-com. He's not happy with me right now. We're going to get into this, but also going to tell you about what he does and how you can find him. Mark, you're a big Heat fan, right? Uh, I am. Yeah, I've been a season ticket holder since uh, 2008. Grew up in Miami, so I've been following them my whole life, pretty much, you know, as long as they've been around. They've won a lot of games since you've been following them, right? They have. <laughs> I've attended a lot of those games. So... Am I to blame for what happened last night against Boston? I mean, rumor, rumor has it you're the, you're the reason to blame the loss last night. I mean, I don't think the team showed up either, um, but, you know, we can at least throw the blame on you instead. I think it's odd because I've been in championship locker rooms, so I don't really understand when this happened. <laughs> I, 2006, 2012, 2013, uh, but it happened. But I actually had somebody on Twitter who sent me a message and said that I better have my estate plan for when I walk out of the building. Uh, because uh, obviously I was not supposed to go up to the game and a lot of people were not happy to me with, with me. Uh, Mark, can you tell people about what you do? Yeah, so I have um, a law firm in Fort Lauderdale. I do estate planning and then real estate transactions and real estate litigation. Um, we generally do real estate transactions, but um, we also have the whole estate planning side as well. So I have a title company that does the transactions and then there's the other side of the firm where um, any kind of state planning, we did your state plan, for example, you know, we can do wills, trusts, anything that's needed. And just for people who don't necessarily understand that, say like you're, you're young, you've got a, a young family and you're like, I don't need to think about this right now. I don't need to deal with it. And this is too much work. What would you tell them? Um, everybody needs one. One of the things I learned during the last few years with COVID is that people aren't prepared. Um, you know, people think, oh, I don't have a big estate. I don't need a will, but you never know what's going to happen. Um, there's the healthcare directives that help people if they're in the hospital. And you know, unfortunately, a lot of people got sick in the last few years from COVID and people weren't prepared to be able to make decisions for other people without having any kind of estate plan. You don't need to have $10 million in the bank to need to have um, plans for the future. And where do people find you? Um, you can find me at markbrownpa.com. Or you can call my office, 954-566-5678. 954-566-5678, markbrownpa.com. That's with a C. Uh, let me ask you this, because I don't want you to be to blame if something bad happens in game five. Are you going to game five? I am, and I'll, I'll see you there probably. You know, tend to walk right by you every, every game. All right, so if they win, you did it. If they lose, it's my fault. I know how this works. I reached out to Mark. <laughs> at Mark. I went to game one, not game two. So, you know, put it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, you, you and Brady, Golden Boys. All right, 954-566-5678, markbrownpa.com. Reach out to him. He did my estate plan for me. He also uh, did a couple closings for me as well. So he can handle that for you and make sure you mention five reasons. Thank Mark. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. And now back to the episode. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Before Floor. Thanks to Mark Brown. Oh, excuse me, on Five on the Floor. Thanks to Mark Brown. Uh, thanks, every, everybody, as well, for putting us in the top 20 of NBA podcasts uh, this week. So we appreciate that. That's all NBA podcasts, not on specific teams. So uh, we're, we're right behind and right ahead of some national ones. So, uh, again, very much appreciated. Subscribe to Off the Floor. That's our official subscription feed with exclusive content, $3.05 a month. Uh, and it's worth it because we put stuff there before we put it anywhere else. All right, let's get to it, Alex. I'll let you start here, then uh, we'll rotate back the other direction. The Heat win game five? 
I think so. I think so. Now, if Jimmy isn't right, that's a different story. But my expectations, and this is a standard that we should hold them to, is them winning game five. They did not lose a home game before, was it game two of this series? You know, even without Kyle Lowry in almost all of those games. So, I, I mean, excuse me, in all of those games, they have to win game five. It's, you know, the most obvious must win other than in game seven. I think whoever, you know, wins a game five when the series is 2-2 wins like 75% of the time or something like that. Win that game, and then what happens in game six uh, is gravy, and you have game seven at home, which would fulfill my heat and seven prediction from before the series. So I'm going to stick to that. Brady? Yeah, I think they win as well. I think, well, first off, Jimmy Butler's not on the injury report uh, for game five, so uh, I don't really know if that's telling in any way because Jimmy Butler's going to play this game no matter what. Mm-hmm. But it I is worth it's- be straight. But I think this is a Jimmy Butler game. I think no matter the circumstances, uh, they're going to need him. I think they just need him as an attacker of some kind. They just need they just need his ability to put pressure on the lane uh, because I think this is a game where we're talking about the three-point shooting numbers never really coming together, like this whole playoff run. I think this is a game where they shoot well. I just think the, goal, the role players in general are going to have to play up because they're going to have to make up for the lack of Tyler Hero. Like, we didn't talk about that much last game because it didn't really matter. Like, they were out of the game before Tyler Hero usually even enters, so it's not really a big deal. I think if they don't have him, which he's currently questionable right now, along with others, but obviously those usually end up playing anyway, they just have to make up for it on the outside, in the corners, in the perimeter. Like, it just feels like that's what it is. And looking back, Jimmy Butler hasn't had many bad games over this entire playoff run. Like when you look at his numbers, one of his worst games, let's say, was uh, a 15-point game in game one against Philly. Uh, He followed that up with a 22-point game on 8 of 15 shooting. He had a 20-point game in game three of Atlanta against Atlanta, and he followed it up with a 36-point game in game four. Like he usually comes back after a poor game and plays really well. It's just what it is. Even in the regular season, he did that. But on this stage, game five, to your point, Ethan, about the, the fans in the arena, I think that gives them a huge boost. But like I said, I think the biggest boost it gives them is the role players, just be able to shoot much better in front of their home crowd. Uh, so I think Miami wins this one and makes probably Heat fans feel a lot better about this series like it did against – like they did in the Philly series. Yeah, I'll put it here. Uh, if they lose if they lose this one, they're not winning game six. I, I think the momentum of the series would carry to a certain degree. Um, I've said all along I think this series is going seven – and, and it's funny because our friend Trilly on Twitter hit this completely right. It's like he thought it'd be 2-2 and it'd be a seven-game series, but he didn't really want to have to – he didn't think there'd actually be losses around the along the way, right? This is like – we talk about this all the time. Like, you know, we in the macro, we're like, okay, this is going to be seven games or this is going to be six games. Well, that assumes losses, okay? It doesn't matter if the losses are by 30, by 20. I understand the team looked awful, but to some degree, I feel a little bit more comfortable that they looked that bad than if they had sort of fumbled the bag down the stretch of the game. Honestly, that would make me feel worse because we've talked all year about their troubles down the stretch of games. This isn't that. This is just a team that just really had nothing. And I've covered other Heat games on the playoffs, on the road, where they've had nothing. Teams that honestly were better than this one, who have had nothing. Um, and and they've come back and, and had a chance. Even games that didn't work out the next game. You go back to the 05 Eastern Conference Finals, 
where Dwayne Wade didn't play in game six in Detroit and Eddie Jones tried to fill in and they lost by 40. That was one of the most anemic offensive performances I've ever seen from the heat. They had a chance to win that game seven at home. Okay. It's just that Dwayne wasn't hundred percent and they kept you know, feeding Dwayne. Stan kept feeding Dwayne instead of Shaq and the rest is kind of history there. But one game we have seen this, this is the biggest thing. One game does not necessarily mean anything about the next game. It just hasn't in this series that you're all over the place. This has not been particularly good basketball in the playoffs in general, in my opinion. We're not seeing a lot of lead changes in games. We're not seeing a lot of clutch games, memorable games. I think this is something Adam Silver needs to address with the injuries that are piling up here at this point of the season. Uh, and I think he's caused some of this by the way that these series have been compressed. But what I take away from a heat series is I think they can win this thing by just getting back to some basic principles. Ball has to move. Uh, Jimmy obviously has to look better than he's looked in the past game. I think the fact that Vic has found some confidence offensively could be a big factor for them here. And I also think, you know, bam, uh, again, the Robert Williams thing is a real thing. I don't think we should look past it. Uh, but I think they'll find some other ways to get him involved. I don't think you're going to see another no show from him. I really don't. Um, just like I didn't think you would see an all-star performance from him to follow the previous one. I, I think you'll get a more normalized performance here from Bam. Uh, and I do think the Heat will win this game. All right. Thanks to our sponsors, markbrownpa.com, ubreakwheelfix.com, prize picks. Use that code five F I V E. We'll have coverage from you. Farina. Greg Sylvander is going to be in the house in game five. If yes, they lose, it's his, yeah. If they, if they lose his fault, have a good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five regional sports network. Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.